If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 354 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, uh, joined today by the Jonathan Wilcox of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about maybe the busiest week in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, this past weekend, we had Eagle FC, we had Bellator, we had UFC, One FC hit a, a card that completely flew under the radar. Next week, we have Cage Warriors, we have the UFC, we're probably something else as well. I have my, about 20 tabs open here. So we have loads and loads and loads and loads and loads to get. To, uh, so tune in for the rest of this podcast because we have lots to talk about before we get into all the mixed martial arts we must tell you that uh, spring has sprung and our friends at Manscaped are the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants trust me your confidence will be blooming like the flowers this upcoming spring time to clear out that winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who use and trust Manscaped use the promo code SEVERE in May to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com if you haven't heard of Manscaped they're a global leaders even in uh, men's below the waist grooming and they've forever changed the grooming game with their amazing performance package 4.0 included in that is the 4.0 lawnmower trimmer the uh, also is the weed whacker which trims your ear and nose hair uh, as well as the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Toner Reviver, uh, the Boxer Briefs, and the Travel Bag as well. And that Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, they call it here, it's a pube assassin that is waterproof uh, and equipped with an LED light, so you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine. The Elite Trimmer is designed to trim hair and loose skin, although your balls might look like punching bags. Don't treat them like ones. And, uh, and <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, I got two like I, I flew too close to the sun there I forgot what I was reading uh, and they, it has the proprietary skin safe technology so it's absolutely fantastic that's fantastic uh, have you ever met someone who finds nose hairs attractive absolutely fucking not the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer provides that proprietary skin safe technology as well which helps reduce nick snags and tugs in those delicate ear and nose holes uh, crop Preservative, and that's my favorite one. It's an anti chafing ball deodorant uh, and moisturizer. It's starting to get hot outside. Uh, well, it's not here yet. Not yet, but it's close. It's close. It's a grand stretch in the evening, lads. So you'll need that soon. You'll also need the crop reviver halfway through the night. A little bit of a spray. Keep it going. Complete the grooming game this spring with your new. Or is that the. Yeah, no, it is a spray-on one. There's one, there's one that they have, and it's it's not, it's like a liquid. I think that's the the first one. But yeah, the spray-on one. 
fantastic job altogether. There's a cologne as well. Spray on cologne. <clears throat> That's not part, part of the performance package for Bundoy Dunning. Or maybe, I don't know. Look it up. Manscaped.com. Uh, if you purchase now, you'll receive two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs and the shed travel bag as well. So smell good and feel good this spring. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVERE Manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, the code SEVERE at Manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Right, Graham, let's get straight into it. So all together. Now, usually... If we uh, we know UFC London is coming up and Cage Warriors is coming up, I'd usually start with that. You know that that's our main thought and our main focus this week. But last night was as the rain pours down outside. Nothing here that or not. But anyway, there's a storm. There's a storm brewing. Um, last night was such a crazy night in the world of mixed martial arts. It feels like we have to look back and talk a little bit about that first. Uh, so let's do that. The first one. I ha- look. I have to. I have to start with this. Mads Burnell versus Adam Barrocks, the Bellator main event. Now. Okay, first of all, apparently Bellator had a massive and brilliant undercard, uh, but it was clashing with the UFC, so that's one issue. We talked about it last week. I talked about it in my Bellator preview as well. I would love if Bellator didn't do that, but apparently they had their card first, and also it couldn't be avoided. But at least the, the co-main event and the main event didn't clash. So it wasn't too bad, but uh, a lot of people, I think, missed the undercard. Cody Law got a massive KO against James Adcock. Roman Fernaldo, one of their best up-and-comers, got a win there as well, as did Dynavis. Or Grova or Deanna even and Rom- uh, Romero Cotton got back as well apparently uh, Alex Polizzi against uh, Jose Augusta was one of the fights of the year uh, and one of their top prospects as well JJ Wilson ended up losing uh, a unanimous de- decision there as well um Johnny Eblen, another guy who's uh, 11-0 now, beat John Salter and in the co-main event Phil Davis um, beat Julius Anglicus and he did what Phil Davis does. You know, he won the striking, took him down, and he won on the ground as well. Not the best, uh, <laughs> you know, most entertaining typical, fight in the world. But a typical, surfing on top of his opponent on the ground. Phil Davis. But that all paled into insignificance when we got to the main event because Adam Barrocks and Matt Burnell, Mads Burnell even, if you haven't seen this, go out of your way to see it. This was one... This is one of the best fights I've ever seen. Honestly, this was a brilliant, brilliant fight from pillar to post. It was you got to like the fourth round in this one, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, "Is this slowing down a bit?" And I'm like, "No, it's not. <laughs> it's just got to me. It, it it's not that it got better and better. It's just it stayed good throughout the whole thing. Uh, I, all I could think of when I was watching this, uh, and very little people were like tweeting about it between rounds or or even in the middle of the first round. I was like, I need to tell people about this. <laughs> it, it was like a uh, Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner or something like this this great fight going on <clears throat> everyone needs to hear about it and tune in it was an absolute classic for the ages I, I tweeted last night saying it was one of the best Bellator fights ever and honestly I think it's up there with, with uh, Chandler versus Alvarez that classic fight which I think was on the same night as uh, Shogun versus Dan Henderson back in the day yeah this, well it was two of those two of those Alvarez and uh, yeah. Chandler fights were, were brilliant but this yeah this was brilliant like you know they both stood, stood and traded and I think I think Boric is kind of the more technical guy and uh, Burnell tried to kind of drag him into a dogfight and, and managed to do that at times. But uh, Boric's like a snap on his punches and his head movement, I think, was, was just on a slightly different level, which which ended up winning him four, four out of five rounds on, on my card. But, you know, these were very close rounds. And, and at any moment, you know, uh, either guy could have could have went down. They were really, you know, hell, hell for leather laying it out on the line. And... You know, it was a really good fight. I, I don't know if I'd agree with you. One of the best fights ever, but uh, 
is definitely a really really entertaining fight I find it very like I find it very hard to remember a fight that stayed that good for that long like it was constant five rounds of entertainment five rounds of action there really wasn't a, there, it, there, it wasn't like there was an ebb and flow to this fight this was just f- flow <laughs> you know it was just non-stop brilliant that's why I think it's one of the best I couldn't like after the fight you can't take your eyes off it or you're, you're gonna miss it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> potentially miss everything it was it was it was encapsulating me. It was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Honestly, I can't, I can't say enough about it. And you know, I was, I was kind of down a little bit in Bellator last night because they put on a clashing card, and then you know, was, so I wasn't like, I wasn't madly up for this or like, you know, overblown or anything. I, I actually thought it would be a slow fight. Caught you by surprise. It didn't catch me <laughs> by surprise. I couldn't believe it. But to your point there, actually about Brunel to talk more about the, the actual intricacies of the fight and stuff. Um, as you kind of said there he tried to kind of drag him into deep water and tire him out and use that pace and you know he's fighting like a juggernaut and it felt like in the third round he was doing that because he landed a lot of body shots he was coming on strong and looks like Barracks was kind of slowing down but in the last like 90 seconds maybe two minutes of that third round Barrocks came back strong and he landed loads of shots. He, so much so that one judge actually scored it for him. Now, I think most people would give that to Brunelli. Definitely had him hurt with body shots. But then Barrocks came on and won the last two rounds as well. I think the fifth was very, very close. But this... I, I, look, I knew Brunel was a very good fighter and we've obviously talked up him an awful lot uh, considering we saw him in cage hours and obviously saw him in the UFC now. We've seen um, Barrocks have... What is he, 18-1 now or something like that? We've seen him have a great career. But I felt like last night kind of proved what he is or showed what he is like this is a top top fighter and maybe I don't think people realise everyone knew he was good and he's flying knees beating Aaron Peak on everything like that everyone knows he's a good fighter absolutely but I don't think people realise that he was a, a world class fighter until last night this was an unbelievable display of as you said skill with his uh, his fundamentals and his head movement but cardio as well and heart like if you're if you don't have the cardio you're not going to go five rounds at that pace with Burnell if you don't have the heart at that point in the third round when Burnell is starting to take over no matter how good you are no matter how good your cardio is it will turn against you and you'll end up not you know not giving up but you it, it, the tide will end up turning and you won't be able to get it back but he didn't let that happen. Such like such heart, such will to not kind of give up on any stage. And the same could be said for Burnell. You know, he was getting his fucking head bashed in for a, a lot of it, and not not like he was uh, uncompetitive or anything. But you get your man was was landing these jabs and these fucking combinations over and over and over in Burnell, and he just kept coming. Even in the fourth round, he started fucking dancing. He started doing the robot in the middle of the fourth round, and then Barrocks answered it back as well. This honestly, there was one section Barrocks the second time he did it. He was actually in range and Barrett yeah. was just looking at him he didn't even throw the punch <laughs> and then afterwards he kind of slipped a punch and did a little dance himself and they yeah. kind of it was they kind of shook hands on it honestly this was a, this to me was an absolute instant classic love this fight so much I think round one there's actually another candidate for round of the year in the UFC we'll get to that in a second but I think round one if you're talking about rounds of the year that has to be it because I, I tweeted after that round as well it's like there's about 90 significant strikes each how could how, how could you even score that round like it was it was crazy. Also, can you ever remember a fight where one judge had it 50-45? And I don't agree with that, but it's not the worst card I've ever seen. So one judge had a 50-45, or even a 49-46, as I think most people had it, where the person who lost had so much success. Like, 
How many yeah, shots to Brunel? I can't think yeah, of a fight. It's hard to you? think. Like, I, 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 like the 50-45, I, I, I gave um, Brunel the third round. But as you said, he, he kind of nearly nearly lost a round at the end of that round. So I don't think it's that egregious. Or as you said, I think it's a perfectly acceptable card. But if you're just, just looking at the scorecards, you'd probably think uh, Barge had it all his own way. But obviously, as you mentioned, this was, this was uh, back and forth and on a knife edge. And it felt that it could go either way at any moment. Um, you know, the Razor close rounds and you know this is a fight that maybe we might get to see again down the line and you know I'd definitely be tuning in for that one <laughs> yeah 100% like my first thought after it was rematch like honestly it was and especially you know if AJ McKee is fighting uh, Patricio if Patricio wins that and Barrix is not next in line I would love to see the rematch straight away honestly but that might be a little bit un- unfair on Barrix but yeah what a, what a fight and yeah. I had to but Barrix could also just Caldwell is obviously the only loss on it Aaron Caldwell's the only loss on his record. I know he's on a bit of a skate at the moment, but he might want to get that back as well and kind of show that it was a bad day at the office or whatever. But uh, I think, uh, you know, depending on what happens with AJ McKee and, and Pitbull, obviously if they're going to rematch again, then I think either the, the Burnell rematch or the Caldwell rematch will be appropriate. Uh, if Burnell is injured I, I, or is uh, not injured and can, can compete in a few months, then I'd, I'd lean that way. But, uh, you know, it'd be good to see those questions answered as well because Caldwell is obviously a very good uh, offensive wrestler. Yeah, I, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think he's at that position anymore. I think Boric's kind of moved past it. But maybe maybe in the future, maybe you could see that happening. But, uh, yeah, what a fight. Had to start it with that. And a busy week for MMA. I had to single that out because it was, it was such a great fight. Um, and in the... Actually, before we move to the UFC, one championship had a couple of great fights as well. Uh, Gary Tonin got ground and pounded into absolute oblivion when he was going for one of his his leg lock things. He's all jujitsu. This old jujitsu is great, and they're all the best jujitsu player in the world. And then fucking Tan Lee absolutely massacred him with massive ground bone when he was going for leg lock. Uh, speaking of madness, John Lineker and Bibiana Oof. Fernandez. Went at it. Did you see this whole fight, Graham? I, I no, I just saw the the left yeah, hook finish. Me too. Up. John Lineker just went forward as John Lineker does and landed a massive left hook. Or Bibiana was actually going forward, and I don't know what I was just madness. And John Lineker ended up hit, catching him with a, an absolutely massive left hook and, and put him out there. Um, one championship in two weeks' time as well. Have a massive card coming up. They have like five title fights on it. They have that um, Demetrius Johnson versus Rotang fight coming up. Myself and. Ian previewed that last week on the Chasing Pack so if you haven't heard that sign up over on patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast uh, to hear that there so it's uh, you know one championship getting back uh, Aoki on that card as well yeah, well, Stamp Fairfax uh, against Andrea Lee. There's there's loads of stuff on on that card. It's a it's a massive card for him as well. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Angela Lee. Did you say Andrea? Uh, Lee? Andrea, wait, what did I see? Yeah. I think you said Andrea, but maybe oh, you didn't Andrea, too much. Yeah, Angela Lee. Sorry, yeah, uh, indeed. Um, with Eagle FC this weekend as well. Um, the the heavyweight. Championship was won by Rizan Kuniev. He beat Anthony Hamilton by a, a very weird looking standing guillotine jogger. I'm like, well, I'd say Anthony Hamilton was delighted to get his check. Let's turn up the bear for this one. It was one of those. Ray Borg won a very, very close split decision against Ricky Bandejas. That was a fantastic fight. Uh, Impa Kasangan ended up losing to Raymond Magomedliev. Uh, if anyone watched my preview show, I, I predicted that as well. Uh, but in the main event, uh, Kevin Lee beat Diego. Sanchez but if you haven't seen this fight this is a very 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 
close fight, I suppose, yeah, you could say a very competitive fight. From the very first kick of the match, Diego Sanchez took the calf out from Kevin Lee. He just wild up, first kick, just whacked him right into the outside of the calf. You know, um, Conor McGregor versus Poirier style that time. And Kevin Lee just couldn't walk for the rest of the fight. Still ended up winning, did very well. Diego didn't maybe capitalize on the injury enough, but was very competitive. I thought Diego won the third round. Uh, Kevin Lee did knock him down at one stage, but I didn't think it was a massive knockdown. And Diego was absolutely boxing him up before that. And Diego landed some very good shots in the first round as well. Like, uh, Kevin Lee did win, absolutely, but did a card for Diego 29-28 is not the worst card in the world now I, I I don't think I was right I think it was a 29-28 or 30-27 Kevin Lee uh, but this was a very 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 good fight a very very competitive fight Diego Sanchez in his new gym I think he's in another gym in Albuquerque I'm not 100% sure where he is but he looks like he's real training partners and real uh, coaches now and he's he fought very well you know this is the best Diego Sanchez has fought in a long long time and we must remember as well Diego's a legend of the game he's no mug you know and people maybe overestimate sometimes where Diego is in his career and okay he's not spring chicken anymore but this he's is a 40 fantastic now, performance but, yeah. yeah he's 40 now but as you said he looked he looked really good uh, obviously the the leg of Kevin Lee was was a big factor in it but he caused that and as you said maybe he didn't capitalize on it enough but Kevin Lee adapted well and kind of did what he had to do to win and uh, you know Diego put up a, put up a good fight and it's good to see Diego you know uh in a better place, as you said, in a new gym and looking like it's it's uh, it's it's uh, not a disaster waiting to happen. Like it, it, it looked like it might have been for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, indeed it was, and it was it was very good. It was like it was heartening to see it almost because when this fight was announced. I think a lot of people, me including, but not, not as much maybe as other people, but I thought it could be a disaster. It could be a bad, bad beating, but you never know with Kevin Lee. But uh, it, it's hard to, to criticize much from Kevin Lee because it literally happened. The injury was caused by Diego. As you said, full credit to Diego. It wasn't like, you know, it was unlucky or Kevin Lee fell in. Yeah, he didn't step back or, yeah, or for Atlanta. He, he targeted a shot and landed perfectly and did absolutely. the damage he wanted it to do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, credit to Diego, but credit to Kevin Lee as well for toughing it out and, and winning that uh, bout. He's looking for um, 160. It was at 165 pounds as well. And he's looking for a title there over the Iglesi, which would be smart from them, I think. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a differentiation between the other organizations, I think, would be good. And Diego Sanchez looking for a couple more fights. Him versus Gilbert Melendez. I'd love to see that. If if Habib could sign uh, Gilbert Melendez, I think uh, that'd be. Uh, That'd be great, but you, you never know. As this, uh, I mentioned it last week, and we have to mention it again, you know, the, obviously with what's going on in Russia at the moment, how, you know, where's the money coming from from this? Where are they paying all the money? You know, I, don't, I doubt Habib is paying, you know, 200 grand or whatever it might be to pay all these fighters or whatever. So we'll see how long this keeps going. Hopefully for the fighters it keeps going, but you never know what the, the situation going on in Russia at the moment because this is, uh, yeah, you know. Hopefully these fighters get their checks as well. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Or get their checks, uh, <laughs> their checks don't bounce. Yeah, they clear so yeah uh, it's uh, you know it's it's a mad one and if you haven't heard you know we, we were probably thinking oh let's just discuss this more I did a full podcast with, uh, with Philip O'Connor talking about all this situation it's up for free on Patreon right now so if you haven't listened to it, you can find it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever it might be uh, a long discussion one like I'm no expert or anything like that but Philip is 
very very good and he, he kind of broke down what's going on and how we should be reacting to it and the fact that it's we shouldn't really know how to react to it to be honest because it's a very very different situation and it's a very tough situation to know you know what to do and even as we get to the, the UFC men event now I saw Kareem Zidane putting up um a uh, trade about Magomed uh, Angolayev even and like how he has worked with Kadyrov for so many years and he's part of his fight team and all and that's you know Kadyrov is one of the worst guys in the war at the moment he's one of those you know the very staunch fucking I don't know what you call him but one of one of the you know the henchmen of Putin and plenty of henchmen himself as well who's been at UFCs in the past and is you know America have like um uh you know have have a not uh, what, what would you say for the he's wanted by America let's put it like that um so yeah it's it's weird to be watching these lads and especially people who as close to uh the top men as Ankeliev is compete when we know what's going on in the world at the moment. We see Ukrainian fighters last week, you know, coming out after with very emotional speeches and everything like that. It's it's a very very weird position we see ourselves in in the moment in the world of sport, and it's not like we can just separate them because Ankeliev hasn't separated himself. You know, that's part of the story. If we want to talk about stories in in the sport, which we do all the time, that's one we have to mention as well. But yeah, if you, as I said, if you haven't heard uh, my podcast with. Uh, Phil please go and listen to that because he explains it better uh, than I could um, so let's move on to the last night's UFC this undercard was one of the best undercards of the without a shadow doubt I think the best undercard of the year uh, just madness after madness it was a flying knee uh, but Azamat uh, Mur Kazanov uh, in the, at the very very start he came on the third round Absolutely took the head off Tafon and Kuchi with a beautiful, beautiful um, a, uh, flying knee. Guido Canetti at what is it, 42 years of age, had a standing TKO over Chris Matinho. I was a little bit surprised that Matinho was the favourite coming into this fight, which was a bit crazy to me. But um, he, like, Guido looked like he was injured throughout the whole fight. It was one of those weird fights where he was kept on, like, falling down and falling backwards and stuff, uh, but landed big shots and was able to, uh, was able to get a lovely finish. Uh, standing stoppage. I um, I thought it was good. I thought it was good timing by Chris Tione. Uh, I think he was uh, taking too much damage, and I liked that stoppage. I thought it was very good. Um, Cody Brundage then with a guillotine choke against uh, Dacha Langiambula. Uh, Dacha was absolutely destroying him, mauling him. He was on the way to a 10-8 with, you know, what's it, it was a minute left in the, in the round, so maybe, maybe not, but... Um, Brundage fell back on a guillotine. Dacia was so tired, I think, that was part of it, but he ended up tapping uh, to that guillotine, but a lovely finish for, for Brundage. Then there was a rear na- naked choke for Miranda Maverick, who absolutely decimated Sabina Mazzo. Sabina almost got an, an armbar in the first round, uh, but what, it wasn't to be... She Not got the second round? She nearly got the armbar, maybe? No, it? it was the first round, I think. You know, I think was she then, went yeah. for another one in the, just before the finish. She went for another one, I think. Did yeah, she? Or, maybe. Or maybe but, yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, rear naked choke anyway in the second round for uh, for Miranda Maverick, who uh, was uh, was very very good. Um, Damon Jackson then got another finish. He got an arm triangle choke. Uh, Kirk would look very relaxed in his boxing, but too relaxed, you know. And Damon Jackson was landing the harder shots. Got a late takedown uh, in the first round, and then got another one almost immediately in the second round. 
absolutely destroying him then it was on the way to another 10-8 it looked like one of those ones uh, but he ended up getting the arm triangle joke he almost had an arm triangle from the um, the mount or maybe the wrong side maybe he was on half guard on the wrong side or something like that but then he ended up getting over into side control got the arm triangle and got the finish there so Damon Jackson I was 20-4 and four in that division he, he kind of half called out uh, Edson Barboza and that's not a bad fight I wouldn't mind seeing that uh, Javid Basharat beat Trevin Jones and looked really good over three rounds our guy Harry Powell um, t- uh, talked about him he's out in London shoot fighters but training over in Vegas now and his brother won last night over in uh, um, Spain as well I think so a good fighting family there JJ Aldrich all Ireland's own won the unanimous decision over Gillian Robertson a very very good display again from uh, from JJ Aldrich uh, Matthew Simmelsberger who had a great display in his opening UFC fight got the win here a lot of wrestling and stuff against uh, AJ Fletcher not a classic that one Alex Pereira beat Bruno Silva then this was uh, you know Bruno Silva hit Alex Pereira a good few times yeah, but, uh, he wasn't afraid of him on the feet at all he, uh, he absolutely he, he, he completely went for it and he he flustered uh, Pereira at times. I thought Pereira did do enough to win, but, it, you know, all this hype of oh, getting him up to the, the title shot against Adesanya, oh, he knocked out Adesanya in kickboxing. I think you know, we need to slow that roll massively after this fight. Uh, do we or do we need to, like, quicken it up before he is beaten by someone? Well, before somebody. he's exposed. Yeah. Get him in there. <laughs> Adesanya to eat him before he's exposed. Yeah, like... I was I saw Key chilling over in Sherdog last night kind of saying that and I, I don't disagree honestly put him in there with someone like a darn Till right if Till wins it's a great win for Till uh, and if he knocks out Till then you put him straight in there the shot with, with Adesanya you know Adesanya's not going to be true, taken yeah. down yeah. you know I, I think he's that's... 34 as well like you know he's not a, he's no spring chicken yeah and that division is so bad that like and Adesanya has fought you know relatively often that there aren't really many people like standing out. Okay, who, who's a cannoneer? And there's probably one or two, but uh, if he got the title shot, maybe Pereira was next. You know, that would that would be. But look, but obviously we were we're not talking about meritocracy there. We're talking about promotion more than anything else. But that's the way the world works sometimes. And I don't think it'd be the stupidest thing in the world. But the UFC are not going to do that because the UFC don't put two seconds thought into anything. But oh, whatever. I mentioned earlier so one of the rounds of the year happened in this UFC uh, card and that was the next fight between Terence McKinney <laughs> yeah. and Drew Dober. Terence McKinney just came out balls to the wall nearly KO'd <laughs> Dober uh, he threw a knee the first one missed then he dropped him with a, a right hook left hook kind of just wild swinging John Lineker style then he hurt him with a big knee but got tired and uh, Dober kind of slowed it down a little bit he was able to recover he got into the clinch knocked him down with a knee in the middle of the cage from the clinch then got on top and ended up getting the the TKO it, it, let me let me just check how long this went it felt like late in the round but it was only 3.17 this was a classic yeah, a lot happened <laughs> <laughs> all I could think yeah. of was Diaz versus Daly after this happened it was a classic one rounder wasn't it yeah, Terence McKenney threw like a lot of different strikes. Uh, looked absolutely, you know, ferocious and brilliant and early and and you know, like he has in his last few fights and getting getting first round finishes. But Drew Dober just toughed it out, basically took it, took his shots, and as you said, it was a noticeable probably two minutes in where Terence McKenney just looked exhausted. And that just seemed to give Drew Dober confidence. And once once um once he kind of was over the 
the storm of, of Terence McKenney, it, it, it did seem like Terence McKenney just kind of wilted. And at the end, when he was getting ground, apparently he was kind of covering up and he, he had his legs in, in a position where he could have kind of kicked off and gave himself time. But he, he just seemed like he was exhausted and just decided, uh, I'm not going to win here. I'm finished. Yeah, he took this on like three days notice or a week's notice, maybe. It was longer than three days. Uh, but he had just fought a couple of weeks ago as well. And look, we, we talked about it uh, on, on one of the shows during the week that like, and maybe it was a different fight actually but these days you have to do things like that even if you lose I think because of the way you see your matchmaking and because of the way Dana White is I think you have to take chances these days just to stay in with the brass just so you get kind of that push and that the, the fans will know you as well and I actually think uh, I saw Bilal Muhammad tweeting last night his stock went up and I actually think it did I think uh, people know him now more and people respect him even more after that despite the loss like Drew Dober's a very 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 good fighter he called out Bobby Green after so like, I'd love to see that fight I think that makes a lot of sense um, you know and he was a guy who was ranked until you know he came across Islam Makachev and, and if few more as well as we were talking about in the in the live preview show this week so uh by no means a huge deterrent in the career of Terence McKinney I think he'll be back and he's so exciting and such a good fighter so dangerous I think he'll be one that everyone yeah. wants yeah, to so much for. talent like yeah. he showed that even in the two minutes of, of offense he put out how many different strikes he, he threw um you know the technique in the strikes the the pace if he like you know if he can put in proper camps and get his cardio up to where it needs to be and, you know, round out some of his game, which, which you know, I'm sure he will. He's definitely a really exciting fighter. And even if he can't make it all the way to the to the, to the top, you'd expect somebody with with that excitement level and, you know, that kind of balls-to-the-wall style to be a Dana White favourite and stick around for a long time either way. Indeed, 100%. Uh, Khalil Roundtree then came out and he beat Carl Robertson the first round. You know, you know, Khalil Roundtree went over to Thailand, remember before, and he came back and he was fighting like a Thai fighter. And he fought a bit like a Thai fighter here and that the first round was just waiting for the bets to come in. And in the second round, he just banged it out <laughs> in, in 25 seconds. Well, even in the first round, he was kind of crouched over as if he was like, I don't know, as if he was afraid of the takedown, even though he, he obviously, Carl Robertson isn't going to be going for any takedowns, really. But, uh, yeah, he, he, you know, Khalil Roundtree, <laughs> once he turned it on, it was, it was vicious. You know, that body kick, the soccer kick to the body kind of, it moved Robertson back back like a yard into the into the fence with such force behind it. And uh, I, at the time, I was thinking, has, has he done that before? And then in, in the post fight interview, he was like, "Oh, you probably remember from tough. So I, I used to do that." I was like, oh, "Okay, that yeah, makes sense." <laughs> and I saw some people were like, "Oh, why don't people do that more often?" I think the reason they don't do it more often is they're afraid that the fighter will like move one inch and they'll kick him right in the fucking head. So like, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame people. What I, what I would like to see more is when lads are in like side control and you know the the big knees to the body are open or even when they stand up kind of from side control and their opponent is still there to kick him in the body then I think the one like aiming for the midriff when a lad is like half standing up half kneel down is a very dangerous shot to throw but when it works well and when you can time it well like Roundtree did here it works beautifully and it did but he had him hurt before that you know he landed some very very big shots um 
you know, he absolutely cr- as you mentioned, crushed him to the body. But um, the 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 right a right hand before the body shot and a right hand after the body shot were massive, and they were actually bigger than the body shot. So great stuff from uh, Kenny Roundtree, a guy you know who who turns up sometimes and doesn't turn up other times, and he kind of alluded to that even afterwards, talking about you know the, his uh, issues with mentality and stuff, and you know a very uh, a very interesting guy, and he seemed very very. Um, Emotional afterwards, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he uh, does from here. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf versus Alex Casera is a very frustrating fight. It just feels like these two guys are better than they produce all the time, especially Yusuf. Like, uh, he's such a frustrating fighter. He's so good, but kind of leaves it, leaves so much himself in there, I feel like. Uh, okay, he won this fight and he absolutely deserved to win it, mostly with his leg kicks and his power, but. I just feel like there's so much more. I think Caceres had a good game plan at the start in terms of like going to make his jiu-jitsu matter in the fight. I think that was his way of winning. And, you know, he, he kind of set out to finish the fight, I think, from second one. But after the first round, he just really couldn't get it to the floor anymore. And he really had many opportunities to use his jiu-jitsu. And Yusuf kind of just floated to the win here. It was... You know, a good performance, but I just, I, I feel like Yusuf is a brilliant, brilliant fighter, kind of in waiting, you know? And I, there's just something, do you feel that way as well, or am I off the mark? But I yeah, just, I think like he definitely 60% has... 60% of a fighter or something. He definitely has a lot of talent and a lot of tools. I think maybe the fact that Alex Caceres was kind of grapple heavy, or his game plan seemed grapple heavy earlier, and he tried to take the back, uh, even on the feet, and, and things like that, that maybe Yusef was, was oh, I better stay away from this, I can just kind of float to, to victory on the outside, as you kind of said, but uh, you know, as you as you go up toward uh, Alex Caceres, obviously he's a good guy. He's been around for a long time. He's he's a bit inconsistent, and he and he and he's definitely no world beater. So as as Yusuf steps up, you know he's he's going to need to do a lot more. He's going to need to let his shots go more and kind of have more confidence in in his ability and in himself. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me a little bit of Usman, you know, and they're they're good friends and countrymen and stuff as well. Remember, he was like, "Oh, I'm throwing at seventy percent of my ability and things like that." I was like, that's so frustrating. <laughs> Just throw a hundred percent of your ability. Let's see the real you. So hopefully, we'll we'll see that in the future. Um, the real you is something we definitely saw with Song Yidong, who absolutely you know put Marlon Marais to sleep he's so quick and so powerful okay Marais uh, I, I think Spencer kind of called this a lot of people are going to be saying oh it's the end of Marais rather than the the, the beginning of Yudong but uh, it's a bit of look it is definitely a bit of both but Yudong is so good in this division 19 and 6 now he's on a great run and he's not too far away from contention in that division he called out Dominic Cruz you know a team alpha male guy called out Dominic Cruz it's uh, it's not something we're we're unused to seeing, I suppose. But I'm uh, I'm a big fan fan of Song Yidong, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. Would you like to see the Dominic Cruz fight? What do you think of Song? Yeah, I thought Song looked looked really good. Obviously, um, Marlon Marais is a dangerous guy offensively, maybe a bit chinny, but you know the the combination and especially that kind of. Uh, right uppercut under the under the armpit that the finish the that put Marais on his back was was absolutely beautiful. You know he Yudong did everything he uh, he needed to do in there and looked really impressive and continues to look really impressive. Uh, the Dominic Cruz fight, you know, I probably prefer as a Dominic Cruz fan not to see Dominic Cruz in there uh, with Yudong Song. Um, 
you know, I suppose though, the UFC are probably going to use somebody like Dominic Cruz to try and build these guys up. And, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely a good test. He offers, Dominic Cruz offers something very different to nearly, nearly all fighters in the UFC and in that division. So it would be, it'd be a good test to overcome. But I think Dominic Cruz has lost a step. Obviously, so many injuries, so much inactivity over the years has been well documented. He's obviously um, got another job with the UFC now to take some of his time as well. So, yeah, I'd expect you down to win that to win that fight if it happened. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too against it. But uh, for Dominic Cruz, I'd probably for for from his point of view, it's probably not a great fight to take. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'd still like to see it. I'd actually like, I want to see Cruz versus Aldo, but I'd also like to see Song Yadong versus Aldo. I think that'd be a fucking fun fight. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing that. But yeah, we'll, yeah we'll that'd see. be great. Um, what about Sean O'Malley versus Song Yadong? I'd, I'd like to see that too, but I don't think O'Malley's taking that somehow. But we'll uh, we'll see. But uh, look, it's it's probably time for Marlon Moraes as well. He's taken too many heavy shots at this stage of his career. Thirty three fights in, you know, he's been obviously a champion and, and things like that in in World Series of Fighting. I uh, four, was a four knockouts in a row. Yeah, five out of six knockouts. Yeah, never great, never great. But it felt like he was a fighter that kind of wasted a not wasted, but had a big part of his prime in World Series of Fighting. Fighting, okay, there were some good guys there, but a lot of a lot of nobodies. Uh, if we want to put it very uh, abruptly, I think he fought the best people he could, but the the best people were you know in the UFC. UFC, He tried to you know Bollinger Hill, uh, Shaman Morris. He tried to fight you know he fought Josh Hill twice. He tried to fight the best he could, but you know the talent just wasn't there in the World Series of Fighting and as you said he kind of maybe that was his prime and he, he could have he could have uh, spent his prime in the UFC but it's easy as, as I always say it's easy to be the general after the battle indeed it is indeed it is uh, and in the main event Mohamed Ankalaya versus Thiago Santos I, look, this was a very, very intriguing fight early uh, when Ankalaev was uh, like the, the counter-pressure fighter, as I always say, just like pushing, pushing, pushing forward, throwing, nodding, waiting for Thiago Santos to throw it in moving his head and landing counter shots. Um, and he won the first round doing that. Um, but it was... It wasn't. It wasn't the most entertaining fight in the world. In the second round, nothing happened really throughout the whole round until late. Till Santos landed that knockdown, and that kind of changed the whole fight. We had like ten seconds of entertainment. They made the fight even less entertaining for the rest of it. Um, there was more output. I give you that in the third round, but very little effective stuff. And I think a lot. Ankalaev just took it uh, in the fourth round. Santos started very fast, but didn't seem to get tired, and then kind of yeah, eat- visibly. <laughs> like really tired all of a sudden <laughs> yeah and then kind of just for the rest of the fight I've here my notes got eight apart but that's not right he just kind of got picked apart a little bit for the rest of the fight and Ankalaev ended up getting the win as you know Ankalaev is a good fighter and I know Harry was, was blowing him up and stuff and he is look it was a tough matchup because of how he hard Santos hits and what happened at the end of the second round but when you're in that position in the division and you're climbing towards the title fight and there's lads like Jamahal Hill and and you know even Prachka getting the fight next and Anthony Smith and others coming through I think you need to make more of a statement in a fight like that and I don't yeah, think you do I think I think Thiago Santos is a really hard guy to look good against you know he, who 
Hughes looked good against him. Glover, Glover looked good against him. Uh, you know, got got the finish. But besides that, I think he's a very difficult guy to to, to look good against. He, obviously, John Jones maybe wasn't fighting at the top of his ability, and that was what two and a half years ago now. But when somebody's that powerful and that explosive, and is just waiting, 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 you know, I think I think it is difficult to to look good against him unless you're like a really powerful wrestler who can who can dominate. Yeah, it's it is very true. He is he is a just because look, he's a nightmare because if he comes forward at you and lands a lot of big shots, it's very tough to defend that. And if he's countering you with his speed, it's very very tough to defend that as well. And he's so powerful, but uh, I don't think he is what he used to be. But at the same time, that's easy for me to say here, sitting in front of my fucking my brand new beautiful computer, uh, <laughs> and and I'm not in there standing opposite him. But it is it is about fine margin that this level, and it is about you know becoming a star and pushing yourself to that next level in the division. And you know when your fight is up there, being as boring as a Phil Davis light heavyweight fight, probably <laughs> you know probably not probably not the the best thing. But however, like this card was absolutely brilliant from the start. Um, we had like it was one of the most exciting cards of the year, even up until the co-main event. You know where we had that lovely uppercut win for Song Yudong and the madness of Khalil Roundtree and the madness of McKinney. It was there was a bit of a lull in the middle with the the four decisions, uh, going from uh, Basharat to to Pereira, but the beginning of the card, the 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 top like ninety percent of the card was very good in the main event, not great then as well. But don't take away from it, a very very good card and a fantastic night in in the world of mixed martial arts uh, with uh, with uh, the Bellator main event as well. So uh, very good night in the world of mixed martial arts. Right, let's look forward to next weekend. I want to start with Cage Warriors because we have to give uh, precedence in an Irish MMA podcast here to an Irish fighter in Paul Hughes fighting for the unified Cage Warriors featherweight title. You know we had. Barucks versus Burnell an all European featherweight um, fight atop the Bellator card now we have an all uh, European featherweight fight atop the Cage Warriors card here as uh, as I said Hughes takes on Vucinic for the second time I went back and I watched their first fight uh, again this week and I remember at the time we did remember we were doing like the live zoom over on Patreon and I I kind of thought Vucinic won. I thought, looking back this time, I thought I definitely thought Hughes won. I thought it was one of the very close fight, very, very close fight, but I w- would definitely have scored it for Hughes this time around looking at it. But that, that doesn't make any difference. We're coming into this one. They're both 8-1. They have that behind them. I think uh, I, I did a preview of Brad, which will be out in Sherdog this week, and it was really fun talking through these fights. But I think both guys, uh, Brad made the point to me on that, that, both guys have fought Sharia, both guys have beaten Sharia, and both guys have gotten a little bit more confident and a little bit better since that first fight. It was a classic Cage Warriors fight, that first one. I don't think people realise how good it was, but looking back in it, such high-level stuff. Like, I, I, you know, uh, for me anyway, you know a fight is high-level, you know a fight is good, you know a lad is fighting well, when you hear him, see him hit a switch like two or three times in the fight and do it so well. Like, I, I think the one thing as well, Paul Hughes showed an advantage in the grappling that doesn't exist anywhere else in the fight for either guy, I think. I think they're very evenly matched uh, on the feet. I think they're very evenly matched, even with, even with, you know, wrestling maybe, or even with their takedown defense, or even with their speed and head movement, everything like that. But when uh, Hughes got the fight to the ground, he looked like he was on a slightly different level from Vucinic. He almost got the finish at the end of the first round. But I think going forward and going into the next fight, 
Uh, and and look, just to clarify as well, like, I remember I criticised Hughes a little bit after that fight for saying maybe he didn't go for enough takedowns and tried to get the fight to the ground. He did in the, that third round in that fight and Vucinic kind of stopped him a few times. So Vucinic's takedown defence is very, very good. Um, I, look, I think it's going to be a close five-round exciting fight here. If Hughes can get it to the ground a little bit more, I think that could be the difference. If he can use his power uh, a little bit more, I think that could be the difference. But Vucinic's power as well, his, te- his uh, technique, his fundamentals are really, really good. D- this is a fight, you know, there's some great fights in the UFC and everything as well, but I'm not as excited for any of them as I am for this fight. I cannot wait. What do you think of it, Graham? Yeah, obviously, uh, you mentioned the first fight being really close. I think, you know, the first round and the second round, uh, the first round is Hughes and the second round is Vucinic and the third round is the one in dispute. And, you know, uh, you can make arguments both ways. And I think th- this could be an, another fight where there's going to be rounds like that where people are, one, one guy's going to be calling it Hughes, one, one guy's going to be calling it Vucinic. And it's probably... Yeah, it, 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 you know, if, if anybody's going to finish it, it's probably more likely to be Hughes... Uh, on the feet or with with some kind of rear naked choke or something like that. But I, I see this being a real tit for tat, uh, real razor close rounds. And yeah, I'd probably lean with Paul Hughes, but it's, it's, it, this is, this is a very diff- difficult fight for, for both guys. Uh, obviously we saw, we saw how kind of well matched they are in the first fight. And I think Hughes has a bit more room for growth and probably maybe will end up being the better fighter, but this fight is, is going to be razor close, I think. Yeah, I, I think both guys will eventually end up in the UFC, and I think the winner of this will be in the UFC, so I don't, I don't think we'll be getting the trilogy if, if Hughes wins here, because these guys are too good not to end up there. I really, really, really rate Vucinic. You know, it'd be easy for us to just wax lyrical about Paul Hughes here being an Irish MMA podcast, and we, we, we have done that, and we shall do that again, but... Vucinic is a very, 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 very good fighter as well. And this is a very even matchup. Like that featherweight division, Chachier is a very good fighter as well. And obviously we had Burnell in this division up until not too long ago. And, you know, Hughes called him out a couple of times as well. So this, you know, the featherweight division around Europe is is unbelievable. And uh, these two... I, I cannot see anything but a classic fight here unless, you know, maybe there's an early finish or something like that. But I, I don't know. I think they're so evenly matched up. I think it's going to go along. You know, as you said, Graham, maybe if Hughes gets it to the ground, could get a choke or something like that. But, oh, it's uh, it's an interesting one and I absolutely cannot wait for it. It's, it's a fun, fun fight. Fun fight Friday. It's on Friday night before the UFC on Saturday. So a couple it's of early a seven, seven fight card as well, which is absolutely brilliant. Is that all? No. No, it's more than that, is it? One, two, oh, oh yeah, on topology, it it's only a seven. Okay, uh, yeah, so, yes, so the fight, Steve Amiable was supposed to fight uh, James Hinden, and Tobias Herrera was supposed to fight Jeremy Peatley. Peatley pulled out, Amiable pulled out, so Hinden is now fighting Herrera, and that's a fantastic fight. Really, yeah, really, really good fight. Decky McAleenan was meant to be fighting Dan uh, Collins on this fight as well, so there's yeah. been a lot of, a lot of fights is, fall apart. Decky is fighting, though, uh, he is fighting Paul McBain on that card. I don't know if that's breaking news or not, but that fight is happening um, he is fighting Paul McBain that's a very that's a step up you know from um, from the, the fight against Dan Collins so that's a, a big big fight there for uh, for Decky as well and that'll put him right into title contention I think if he wins that so you know I don't know if it's officially officially yet but that fight is happening uh, unless something happened to it but um 
yeah, like for Decky as well. Like Decky hasn't had the best time over the last uh, over the last while. After being like on the verge of title contention, he lost. Okay, he drew with Kieran Lister, with there's no shame in that. But then he lost uh, obviously Stevie McIntosh last time out. Got rear naked choked after beating Adam Ventura. But Decky's been around for a good bit, and you know with. Um, the title fights keep falling out here in this division and Decky is a guy who just keeps showing up you know he's not a guy who, who really pulls out of fights or anything like that and he will fight yeah, and guy he'll bring it as well yeah so like he it's important for him to get a win here to kind of you know be in that discussion for for a replacement fight you know if he's coming off two losses it's kind of hard to justify it but if he's if he's a guy who's lost one in the last few then coming off a nice victory a guy who always brings it you know he could see himself catapulted into contention if if there's a late pull out but it's also important to get a win to kind of build himself back up towards towards the title shot either way and the, and George Harder was supposed to fight for the title and a couple of opponents pulled out on him uh, he's fighting Luis Copera on this at 161 pounds uh, I don't think Copera is the best fighter in the world to be honest but he's very very tough I've watched a couple of his fights Hardwick a really good fighter on the inside who throws bombs but is, is good on the ground as well will take you down if needs be you know the king of middles right there so I'm looking forward to, to seeing that one I mentioned as well briefly the, the Hinden versus Harilla fight came together last minute Harilla if you haven't seen him he's a guy who just comes out goes forward like an absolute mad lad he ended up losing his last fight to William Gomez who kind of danced around him and picked him off from the outside but Hinden won't do that Hinden will be going straight forward trying to land bombs as well trying to get big takedowns so that's a very interesting fight Will Curry at 185 pounds he lost a couple of times to Christian Leroy Duncan who's fighting for the title coming up at the next cage warriors or maybe two cage warriors down the road uh, they're both on the same weekend so one of, one yeah. of those cards Will Curry versus Patrick Vallee of cage yeah. cage contender Paul Daly getting yes. knocked out fame <laughs> indeed yeah he's been around for a long time I think he made his debut in 2003 or something like that so a good test for a, a young up and comer like Curry who's a, an absolute beast of an athlete so it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, I know he won his last fight I think but he bounced back after a couple of losses to Christian Leroy Duncan the first of which was uh, a weird one two up and comers then Nick Bagley against Ben Ellis very good uh, wrestlers both of them are but very good well-rounded fighters as well uh, very good fight Kingsley Crawford versus Aiden James love that Lanier Kavanagh against Ryan Morgan kicks off that card as well a really really good card a lot of up and comers a lot of good up and comers but that kind of picturesque main event as well for Cage Warriors it feels like an old school Cage Warriors card getting away from the trilogy for a little bit so I'm really looking forward to this card and that main event is ooh it's spicy spicy so I can't wait Let's uh, let's do it, and uh, obviously a big night for Irish MMA as well. With Paul Hughes fighting uh, fighting for a title, um, a big weekend over in London. Uh, Volkov versus Aspinall, which I assume is still happening, is the main event. You know, people are asking Dana White last week. I don't know if they were asking him last night. I, I don't think he was there, and uh, the press conference maybe I'm mistaken, but he kept saying, "Yeah, if, look, that fight is happening. If it doesn't, we find a replacement." So it's, it's, it's I assume it's still happening, but. Uh, it's one of those ones right where I look through the cards and maybe because we're not sure if the main event is happening but I think even outside of that I'm interested in almost everything apart from the main event look I'm interested in the main event but I just feel like I, I feel like Hooker versus Allen is the real main event here and, and should be the main event but I don't know they put Volka versus Aspinall in there how, how do you see that fight going what, what do you think of the, would you have had Allen and Hooker as the main event what way would you do yeah, well, I think Arnold Allen to the the hardcore fans or to people like me and you, we we know how good he is, and you know the guys he's beaten and how good he's looked and the skills he has. But in terms of people who you know main eventing a card, maybe he doesn't have the the name value that 
that a Volkov, uh, like a heavyweight fight always has a bit more draw to it in terms of casual fans, I think, uh, in the UFC's mind anyway. But, you know, if you had to put if you had to put Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker there, I would have had no problem with it. Even, you know, Paddy Pimblett headlining the card, maybe against somebody with a bigger name than Vargas could have done it as well. So there's, there's some very good fights on this on this card, as you said. Obviously, Gunnar Nelson making his comeback as well. We'll probably go into, go into that. But um, maybe because Arnold Allen's flying under the radar a lot, maybe due to injuries and uh, inactivity and maybe not being a brash character or doing a lot of interviews, saying clickbaity things and things like that. But in terms of his skill level, the skill level of the fight, the the quality of the fight, uh, Allen versus Hooker, I think, yeah, it definitely, um, on merit, it should be main event. But all those other factors mean that it probably, you know, yeah, the right decision not to make it. I don't know. I think people know Hooker and know how exciting he is too as a fighter. I think it would have been, I think it would have been fine to be honest. And you know, it's it's hardcore going to these cards as well. I think, and they're they're selling out when they come to London, especially considering they haven't been there in so long as well. So I don't know. I. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. I definitely see what you mean, but I, I want to put that as the main event. But however, um, let's talk a little bit about both of those fights. Like Aspinall versus Volkov, uh, we, we've we kind of both talked about maybe slowing the roll for Aspinall a little bit. But when you, you know, when you go in there in these last couple of fights and you beat, you know, the likes of Arlovsky and Spivak, considering where they are in the division now, you kind of have to be given a tougher fight. He was supposed to fight um, Shamil Abdurahimov. I think that fight didn't end up happening, so they gave him the main event here. Uh, or, well, actually, he was supposed to fight Shamil Abdurahimov in the main event here, and that fight didn't end up happening. But Volkov is a tough, tough matchup for him, I think. He's long, he's rangy, so his boxing is very good. He's only lost to Cyril Gagnon in his last four, beating over him and beating Tibura and, you know, like Stephen Struven. When Volkov was kind of on the rise in Bellator, he was basically just a striker. Uh, and you, if you get to him grappling wise, it was kind of you could shut him down. But I think he's developed and become, you know, pretty well rounded. Obviously, his, his, his striking is his go to, but uh, his grappling has improved a lot. But I, I just think Aspinall, he's gonna have, he's gonna have, as long as he, as long as he can maybe weather a little bit of a an early storm. Not, not, not that Volkov's known for a storm, but you know, just kind of feel him out early and then get a hold of him and uh, make it difficult for Volkov and and uh, yeah I think uh, you know as I said Volkov is definitely definitely improved as a well-rounded fighter but I think Aspinall should have enough everywhere here as long as he doesn't really let Volkov get into his get, get into his flow too much but uh, it definitely is a step up you know uh, as you said me and me and me and you over the past few couple of years I've been you know talking about how good Aspinall is but not wanting to see him get in there too fast but as you said the, the win over Arlovsky looks better as Arlovsky keeps keeps winning and Spivak's uh, the win over Spivak looks better after last weekend so uh, you know with, with, with the pull out and stuff like that I suppose it, it kind of is the, the right matchup to make but uh, yeah if, if Aspinall can go in there and beat Volkov then he's kind of stuck in an even higher echelon and has to maybe you know, fight the likes of Cyril Gan soon. So, yeah, maybe it's it's maybe it's you know undue concern, and he's ready for all this, and he's gonna go in there and absolutely smash Volkov and and look great, and you know go on to be a legit challenger for the title in the, in the next couple of fights. But you know, if if you're trying to make sure you you build this guy, then it is a bit of a risk, but. 
as as we always say, the UFC matchmakers these days don't really seem to have long term plans for these guys. So it's probably likely that if he goes in there and looks good against Volkov, that he'll be he'll be in title contention in, yeah. in the next fight. I, I think he will. Yeah, and I, look, I think he should be. If you beat Volkov, you are right there. To be fair, uh, but I think if you do beat Volkov, I think you're probably ready as well. Like the there's only so much you can slow it down, and I I, I don't necessarily like this matchup. I would have liked to have seen him getting the likes of Abdurahimov or something like that. Uh, they did try to put that together so we can't criticise him too much I suppose but uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen one before this and then move him on to that but you see with Gan, you see with Francis over the last years they have been especially the heavyweight division when you have a talent you're going to like run through a lot of these guys and get to a level and this is the level now where you get to if you win this fight you're automatically vaulted into that upper type of level like maybe he'll be meeting a Derek uh, Lewis or someone like that after this and uh, <laughs> you know we'll, we, we'll know what happens when you meet Derek Lewis you're right in there but I look I do haven't said all that that that's more about like what we think and more about like the matchmaker side of it Aspinall is a very good fighter you know he's really good hands he hits very very hard crisp everywhere it goes like if this fight stays on the on the feet as you said I agree with you said it's not going to be a, a storm that he has to uh, has to stop early but what he do, uh, does have to do I think is deal with the lint and deal with what Volkov actually brings and how good defensively I think he is as well if he can kind of get inside or find ways to, to hit Volkov even if it is a few leg kicks and a few like quick um, combinations to get inside I think from that point on, it'll be Aspinall's fight uh, to win. But that's not easy to do against Volkov by any means. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he can do that and and, uh, the the tactics he brings into the fight. And for Volkov, look, you just need to stay along. You need to stay away from that uh, as well. And maybe throw in a few takedowns and maybe push him against the cage and test him over five rounds. So it'll be very, very interesting uh, to see how that goes. Um, But that that fight previously mentioned, Arlen Allen versus Dan Hooker. Like, watching a few of Aaron Lallan's fights last night, especially, you know, we mentioned Sadiq Yusuf earlier on, I watched back that fight, um, he's, Aaron Lallan is one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC, honestly, his wrestling is good, his jiu-jitsu is good, he hits hard, I think people underestimate how hard he is, 17-1 and one now in his career, like, he is as strong as an ox too, Sadiq Yusuf is a very, very strong fighter, and there was at one stage, Allen just like, bodied him to the ground, just, just, and not embarrassing but you know from a string point of view he just was a different level and you know I know isn't Aaron Lallan's father like a strong man or something so there's he has uh, he has good breathing there I suppose and he'd be able, well able to, to help him get strong but he is so so strong and such a good fighter the one thing I would say very noticeable right his head is very much down and it's like tucked in but against someone like a Dan Hooker who throws that knee down through the middle I think Aaron Lallan could be a little bit open for that knee if Hooker come, uh, comes to the middle with it um so that go on what were you going to say there i was just laughing about that yeah <laughs> but uh yeah this is a really intriguing fight like the one thing i suppose we don't know about alan is at this very very top level he's fought some good guys don't get me wrong but at this top level if he is dragged into a war it's a pity this is only three five three three uh five minute rounds as well i would love to have seen five rounds uh for this one and that's another reason why i wanted it to be main event but uh, if Hooker does draw him into a war, if he can't like finish him, and it is going to be a bit of a back and forth, we'll see where Arlen Allen can uh, can race to at this sort of level because we know Hooker can do it. Look, he's fought some good guys like Melinda's and like Lintz and Yusuf and you know Mads Burnell beating Mads Burnell and yeah, Amerikanian others, but I think this is a different bit of a level, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, as you kind of hinted at there, Hooker's definitely been fighting the the higher level of competition uh, recently, but you know it hasn't been hasn't been going as going his way. And confidence is another thing, and momentum, and you know your mindset is is a big thing as well. And he's it's going to be a hostile crowd as well. I know Darren Hooker's been in some big fights and stuff as well, but um, he probably won't be as confident going into this as maybe he he would have been if if he had a fought an Arnold Allen maybe after he he beat Ayaquinta or he beat Felder. So that's definitely going to play a factor as well. And I think, as you said, Arnold Allen is just—he's just flying under the radar in terms of in terms of everything, in terms of his ability, his striking, his wrestling, his his grappling, his finishing ability. You know, like I'm expect—I haven't seen the odds yet, but I'm expecting Hooker to be a to be a favorite here. But I'd be going with Arnold Allen to win this. Uh, I yeah, think, yeah, I, I would tend to agree. What were we going yeah. to say there? I, I think you know this is going to be his kind of coming out party. This is going to be where people actually yeah. finally finally recognize um, how good Arnold Allen is, and you know the potential he has to actually you know challenge all the way towards the top or up yeah. to the top. And uh, you know, I agree. If he can, if he can kind of you know, obviously staying injury free is 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 been difficult for him, and the momentum's kind of been broken a few times. But he's every time he's come in, he's just looked like he's developed. He's been putting the work in in the gym clearly. And I expect him to look even better than he's looked before again here. And with Hooker, I think maybe we—he's probably closer to his peak uh, ability than than Allen. But I, I still think Allen should get it done here. And maybe it'll be a, a decision, but I think it'll be a pretty clear decision. I, I think Allen should go across the cage, pick him up, and put him on his arse straight away. And it's easier said than done against Hooker, who's you know he's good takedown to Vince and all, but we have seen him taking on before. And I think Allen would. Uh, save himself a lot of undue hassle if he just did that use that strength you know pick him up put him down I know Alan uh, our uh, hooker has been up at uh, 155 for a lot of his recent career and he's used to fighting big strong guys but you know I think that'd be a good way to go for Alan and if he did that I could see him maybe getting the finish there land a lot of ground he's very good ground and bound as well I I can't stress how good uh, Arnold Allen is, and this look, this is going to be a good fight because Dan Hooker is no mogi. Okay, you said Graham, he's lost a lot of his fights against top, um, you know, upper echelon fighters, and he absolutely has. But uh, he also has been in there against them, and he's given tough matchups a lot. Of them, you know, beat Felder and others as well. So, uh, really great matchup, a fantastic matchmaking. I'm looking forward to to seeing it. What I also think is fantastic matchmaking is uh, Rodrigo Vargas versus Paddy Pimblett. Uh, <laughs> I watched a couple of Rodrigo Var- Vargas's fights, or one of them anyway. That was on Fight Pass. He's not very good, I don't think, which is exactly what Paddy Pimbert needs, I think, in his homecoming in a big UFC fight. Vargas is not the fastest striker in the world, doesn't have great takedown defense, um, and I think that's the, the typical type of matchup that Paddy Pimbert needs. Like, I think, uh, look, yeah. it'll be interesting I hope, to see. Like, you know, Paddy could go in there and try and strike and try and show off a little, but he, really what he should do is go in there and, you know, take the back as quickly as he can or get the takedown as quickly as he can and put this guy away and get back in there fresh, you know, don't take any chances on the feet. You know, obviously his his striking has developed a lot over the years, but his jiu-jitsu is just completely on another level to Vargas's and he should take the, the path of least resistance here and get a really easy first round. Ta- submission in my opinion uh, talk a little bit about Paddy Pimble because you know I, I've spoken about him a good bit over the last uh, while since he's gone into the UFC and obviously we've seen him throughout his whole career basically like 
to me, I saw someone tweeting the other day saying, oh, Paddy Pimble's not just a striker with a good chin. It's like, yeah, he's not a striker with a, with a good chin. Like, I think Pad- Paddy's jiu-jitsu and his ground game is absolutely fantastic. I think his offensive striking has improved no end over the last few fights. Uh, defensively, it's going to be a massive issue, and he needs massive, massive strides if he's going to make uh, an impression in this 155-pound division. Do Tell us what what do you think about Paddy and like do you think it is possible for him to rise and become a champion in that division or become a contender in that division? What does it need? Well, I think this division is 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 obviously it's a difficult division, uh, stacked division, and you know there's some absolute killers at the top of the division. But I think Paddy's still developing. It's it's easy to forget that he, he's still only 27. He's been around for obviously a long time on the the cage warrior scene and all that stuff. And we've kind of watched his career and watched him grow from kind of just a grappler to to a well-rounded fighter. And we over over the years he's kind of his head maybe hasn't been in the game uh, as as much as it should he's been you know off partying in in Spain and like all these places and you know uh, not really taking his weight and um his training outside of camp too seriously from from the things you hear and things like that he probably tell you himself uh you know he wasn't really all in it was he, he the distractions were were getting to him at times and uh, bad weight cuts affected him in fights and things like that and uh, you know as long as he can keep his head in the game and keep developing and the UFC look like they're going to give him every chance in terms of the matchup to kind of you know build himself up uh, uh, in the UFC I think he can, I think he can cause a lot of trouble for a lot of people uh, if he, uh, on the ground especially but when you get to the very upper echelon, I think of that division, you're looking at some of the names. You know, you look at some of the names Dan Hooker's fought. Like, it's 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 very difficult at the top there. I think, you know, he'd have to he'd have to show us a lot more than he than he's shown us so far for for us to be talking about that. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said there, and he'll he'll, he'll need massive strides, and hopefully, you know, and I know he's played pretty well from KJRs, but hopefully, maybe if he is getting a little bit of extra money and he's working for Barstool now as well, hopefully, invest that into his training. You know, he's been over in America before doing a bit of training and things like that. Like he, it's not just enough to be a very very you know good um, personality or a good fighter. If you want to get to that level, you need to be a great fighter, and you need to be become a great fighter and Paddy Pimble is 20 fights into his career as well and I know he's young but this is is not something that uh, you, you were going to wait five or six years to see this needs to happen now you know Paddy needs to improve massively right now if he wants to become a champion or a top ranked fighter in, the, in that division and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what improvements he's made and this is a good fight maybe to show what he's good at I'm not maybe not a great fight to show his improvements because I don't think it's going to be that even of a matchup to be honest but yeah, I think it's good matchmaker from the UFC I think they're they're right to give a showcase for Paddy I'm looking forward uh, yeah. to seeing it like, I think I always look forward to Paddy fights, Paddy's fights he always brings entertainment there's always so it's a little bit more excitement than, than most fights so you know it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely one to look forward to but as you said you know he he needs to he needs to go out there uh, win impressively here and you know not go on on a big party holiday or whatever that maybe he's done in the past he needs to get straight back into the gym and you know take this as seriously as you need to take to, to beat the likes of the the top 10 in the in the 155 pound division Absolutely. and if he does if he doesn't knuckle down and do it and do that and put everything into it and you know leave no stone unturned 
you know, maybe he could be one of these one of these guys that in a couple of years is, is challenging for the title. But um, you know, I just have a little bit of trepidation in saying that just because of historically with the things you hear and stuff like that. But we, we've seen fighters turn around before, and, and you know, if Paddy wants this enough, you know, want, uh, is willing to dedicate him to to it himself to it then it, it's a different story but I'd just be unsure uh, I, I think it'd be, I, I love a party fight I, I, me too and I think it'd be great if that happened I don't think it will to be honest but I, I hope it does I, I hope Paddy Bimber becomes a champion I hope he becomes you know the, the fighter which I think from a young age people thought he could become I don't think he's become that yet but we, we there's still time as I said he's still young and he 20 fights is 20 fights but and he's uh, beaten some good guys, like you know, without maybe being as dedicated as as his opponents were. So he definitely has a lot of talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, Gunnar Nelson in versus Takeshi Sato. I know you mentioned it. Look, we all know what Gunnar Nelson is. Comes out with these kind of sideways karate stance. Not the best wrestling in the world, but unbelievable jujitsu when it gets to the ground. Takashi Sato fights in a very similar way on the feet. He has that kind of sideways stance that Gunnar Nelson has. Obviously, fighting out of the southpaw position rather than Gunny, and is more of a I think more of a counter striker. But I think it's a pretty good matchup for Gunny. Although uh, watching his fight with Bilal Muhammad, Bilal took him down a couple of times, but he was able to get back up and get to the the feet. But if you look at his last three losses, uh, Bilal, uh, or sorry, three of his last four losses, Bilal uh, submitted him and two others submitted him as well. So I'm sure Gunny will be looking at that. This is a short notice fight as well. First Sato, Gunny was supposed to um, was supposed to fight against Claudio Silva. So Sato comes here and here on short notice. I know you've known Gunny for a long time, seen him fight in the early days, obviously fight, uh, training out of SPG. Good to see Gunny back, isn't it? Yeah, it's great to see Gunny back. As, as you mentioned there, he's been out a while, you know, nearly two and a half years or about two and a half years since that uh, unanimous decision lost to, to Gilbert Burns. And before that, he obviously lost that split decision that probably should have been a unanimous decision for, for Leon Edwards. So his last win was was Cowboy Oliveira like a, what three and a half years ago. But, uh, you know, in terms of the style matchup, if Gunner's, you know, anything like he was before, he's probably going to, you know, uh, stay on the feet for a little bit, try and land that left hand, and uh, when the opportunity uh, presents itself, try to get that take down, take the back, put the body triangle on, land those kind of wrist shots that he likes to throw, and probably get a easy, easy enough rear naked choke. I expect that to happen as long as you know Gunner's gotten over the injuries that kept him out and all that stuff, and I expect I expect he has, and I haven't heard any any different or anything like that. So yeah, I think as you mentioned, it's a nice uh, matchup for a return fight after after a bit of inactivity and injuries and things like that, and obviously a, a two fight losing skate against top guys like Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns is is nothing to be ashamed of, and this is a a big step down in competition and uh, compared to those. So yeah, I expect Gunnar to go in there and um strike for a little bit, and once uh once he gets the opportunity for a takedown, I think that'll that'll be curtains. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be an interesting fight on the feet, though. I think, uh, as I mentioned, the Styles matchup, I think, is fun on the feet. But yeah, I think if Gunny can get the fight to the ground, I think uh, uh, with anyone... Yeah, sometimes Gunnar is a, a bit too too um, happy to stay on the feet when, you know, when the opportunity, when the grappling uh, d- uh, discrepancy is, is big in his favour. But... Yeah. You know, if he goes in there and fights with a good game plan, it should be should be an easy night's work. Uh, I don't know about too easy to Sado's good, but yeah, I think if he uh, with, a, with the right game plan, yeah, I would agree. Um, 
looking at the rest of this card, look, we're going to do a, a live uh, preview of this, uh, I think Wednesday night, um, over on our YouTube and on um, uh, Twitter and stuff as well. So uh, if, you're, if you're, I think we're doing it about 11 on Wednesday night, but if you're not up for that, you can catch it in the morning. The replay will be up on severemail.com. We're going to go into all of these fights, but we have to mention a couple more here before we, uh, before we leave you. Paul Craig against uh, Nikita Krylov. You know, we talked earlier about the uh, Ankeliyev fight. Paul Craig has beaten Ankeliyev. Paul Craig has beaten Jamal Hill. If he wins this, like, Paul Craig should be in that discussion at the top of that division. Okay, you know, he's... Sometimes he might... He, Paul Craig might be the sexiest fighter in the world. You might think of him straight yeah, away. He but, might be losing four minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds of the round and, yeah. you know, finish somebody with a triangle in the in the last second. You know, he's always dangerous. And he, he's he's always in the fight. No matter how kind of one-sided the fight has been up until that point, he's proved it time and time again against guys who he's expected to lose against and who I can't exactly remember, but I probably picked him to lose against. So, yeah. he's definitely a dangerous guy throughout the fight like if you if you look at his record over the last few he's beaten uh, Moreira uh, that great fight to draw with Shogun beating Antigulov beating Shogun in the rematch beating Jamal Hill in, in the last one if he beats Krilov here you know you, you can't deny Paul Craig anymore and I, look Paul Craig is, is not the most well-rounded fighter in the world although I think his striking has improved an awful lot but when you have the ability to finish someone the way Craig has and we've seen Krilov before is not exactly fucking Habib Nurmagomedov on the ground if Paul Craig can get it there I could see another triangle or armbar or something here uh, so I'm really looking forward to that and that's a name you have to be thinking of here you know we were talking about yeah. possible main events I think that could have been a main event as well and especially like if they go back to Glasgow maybe I would love to see uh, Paul Craig on that on that uh, card in, in a big fight if he wins here so um, you know have to shout out Paul Craig there uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that fight a um, few other fights to mention look Molly McCann it's always a big fight for Molly in that 125 pound division because if she can put a few together I'd say they'd love to put Molly into a title fight so Luina Carolina you know she's 8-2 and two, um, a good fighter but I, th- I think Molly you know Molly rises when she has the home crowd with her and I think that's a big fight uh, for her there uh, against uh, against Carolina Molly has won the, you know, she, she won the last one after losing two in a row um, and this is a this is a, a big big uh, fight for her Carolina's won the last two in a row as well she beat Lupi Godinez I know people will probably remember that uh, Lupi took that one in short notice if, I, if I'm uh, not mistaken uh, but Lupi's very very good and, and losing uh, and beating her is, is um, you know is, is a good win but um, yeah it's a big fight for uh, Molly and I'm looking forward to seeing that um Jack Shore on short notice is fighting Timur Valiev as well. 15 and all Jack Shore. We all know what he's like. Really good wrestling, really good striking, well-rounded. Um, in that 135-pound division as well, he's rising through. And Valiev is a very, very good test for him. You know, 18 and 2 in his career now. He's beaten Hani Barsala's last time out, who I believe is a very, very, very good fighter. Um, so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Interesting to see uh, how uh, Jack Shore deals with him because you know he's a well-rounded guy as well. He won't be that easy to, to wrestle Valiev. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Uh, a few more as well. Mike Grundy versus Macquarie Amir Kind of it's like a Bama fight or something like that. I love that fight. Mohamed Makayev is making his UFC debut here uh, yeah. against Cody Durden. T- tell us about Makayev. He's arguably I, I don't even think arguably he is the greatest amateur in the history of the yeah, sport what was he 20 22 and 0 yeah. according to the, to the topology and there could be a few missing there and that's in you know IMAF competition most of those most of those fights uh, especially the later ones are against good guys you know he, it's not as if he went in there and just crushed cans or anything like that he went in there against all comers in, in the IMAFs and you know 
won pretty handily in 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 every in all of his fights, and he's made a really good start to his pro career. He's been very busy. Uh, obviously, went in there and, and uh, got a rear naked choke finish over Blaine O'Driscoll, uh, uh, who who we know very well, and is a really hard fighter. And you know, you may be looking at his his record as a as a pro and thinking, oh, five and oh, he's one of these guys the UFC is just signed to stick on a card. But this guy is definitely uh, a prospect for the future, a huge prospect. He's a nightmare uh, matchup uh, for everybody who's fought so far. So. You know, obviously the the competition um, that he's fought in, in recent fights uh, and throughout his amateur career isn't 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 um, up to the standard of the, the the top guys in the UFC. But he's very young. I think he's twenty twenty one still. You know, the sky's the limit for this guy. He's really really experienced guy. He's he's really experienced at twenty one. You know, the he, the sky's the limit for this guy. Really. Yeah, and like he beat Brian O'Driscoll in his last fight. You know, Brian O'Driscoll is a really, really, really good fighter, uh, and it was a, it was an entertaining fight as well. Blaine was doing well early, but uh, Makayev, you know, his his striking is improving. His wrestling is disgustingly good. So, and I, I look, he's a guy with a lot of scope to improve as well. As you said, very young uh, in age, but young in his career as well. Okay, he's all those uh, he's all those amateur fights, but not many pro fights, you know. And there's a a lot to come from him, you know. Even some Irish guys he's beaten in the amateurs, like. Have uh, Kieran Holland and Abnu Faris as well, you know, be- beating Liam Gittings as an amateur. So he's a, a some good experience against good guys there. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing Mohamed Makayev uh, here. Corey McKinnon as well um, is fighting Elise Reed. She is, you know, someone who a lot of people are talking about as as being a you know a, a top prospect coming through in um, in mm. in that 120 or 115 pound division. Uh, even beat Kay Hansen last time out. She lost one of her early fights in her career. Uh, in cage wars but bounce back you know and is two uh, one and on the UFC sorry one and has won one in the contender series as well so um, yeah very uh, a good homecoming fight I suppose in Britain for her I know she's well so it's not necessarily a homecoming fight but uh, Nathaniel Wood then against Vince Morales Nathaniel was uh, he was supposed to fight Ludovic Shonalin I think uh, he's taking this on short notice Ludovic is from the Ukraine so he's decided to stay there and fight do you see the UFC put out travel issues have stopped Ludovic from coming when he decided to like stay in the Ukraine and fight like travel issues are you fucking serious but anyway uh, Vince Morales steps in on short notice uh, to, to fight Nathaniel Wood he's coming off of two wins you know Draco Rodriguez uh, uh, Draco Rodriguez even and Luis Smolka who's a very 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 good fighter you know he's beaten Eamon Zahabi as well okay he's lost a few fights lost to Song Yadong uh, and a few others as well but this guy is a, is a good fighter and a good test uh, for Nathaniel Wood so looking forward to seeing that but for me the biggest fight on the undercard is Joy Herbert versus Elliot Taporia. What a fucking fight this is. Joy Herbert, I don't know what Joy Herbert has done to people to deserve this fucking matchmaking, but he's got the toughest matchmaking, I think, of anyone to ever start their UFC career. Uh, it's been nightmarish for him. But anyway, Taporia, someone pointed out to me the other day, right? You think when I think of this fight, I think, oh, Taporia has a big advantage. Taporia's coming up to 155 from 145 for this on relatively short notice. Not, well, not that short notice. But he fought Brian Bouland at 135 pounds in cage wires only, what, three years ago or something like that. You know, Jai Herbert hits very hard. Jai Herbert's not the smallest 155er in the world. He's a long guy, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting fight. Like, you'd think Taporia would probably be favoured here, but Jai Herbert is not without a chance, is he? 
Yeah, I think Jair was probably going to be the underdog here, but I think you know maybe because of how how um, hard he's been matched in the in the UFC, we we've talked about it over the over the years uh, how good he is, and we've obviously seen him a lot in cage wires, and he's he, he had a obviously a very tough start, Trinaldo and Moicano uh, losing both of those in, in in his UFC debut and his uh, second fight, but you know he came in and looked good in, uh, against uh, Worthy, so. He's, he, you know, he broke he broke the losing streak, and you know he's expected to go out here and lose again. But as you said, he's going to be the longer guy if he can use his job, use his length, um, slow the power down, maybe with some leg kicks. It's 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 definitely a difficult matchup for him, but uh, he has definitely has uh, met, uh, methods of victory here. But I probably would lean to Pura in, uh, in fairness. Yeah, uh, I probably just would as well. I, I, I think more Joy Herbert can kind of turn into a boxing match and use his power, it'll be fun. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, I, I cannot wait for that. And this whole card, this whole weekend is, oh, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, we'll leave it there. Actually, I must say as well, the Irish amateur team uh, got to the finals of the MMA Super Cup and obviously the lads over in the Old Triangle will cover that more in depth, but have to give a shout out to them. They did a great job there. They ended up losing in the finals, Graham. I don't know if you heard about this or not. To the Bahrain team who have only like two fighters from Bahrain on their team and yeah, lots of others like hand citizenship to a bunch of uh, Russians and fighter, apparently. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't realise that until yesterday the lads were kind of pointing it out. Uh, I'm sure they'll talk about that more in the old triangle but it, it feels like the the old Bahrainians just like decided to make a tournament for themselves where they could win. Now, the Russian team weren't there obviously Um uh, for obvious reasons, um, some you know, and they had uh, they have an unbelievable amateur team. So if they were there, maybe they would have won. Same goes for Ukraine, who have a very good amateur team as well. But yeah, I I don't like that. I don't like have a, absolutely. If you want a Bahrainian team with all young amateur Bahrainians, no problem. And okay, they'll probably say, well, look, they have passports now. But yeah, you gave them passport fucking last week, and they gave them a lot of money to train. But yeah, I uh, that left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. But. For the Irish team, I think they've got 75 grand now. Hopefully they use that right. Hopefully they put it into the right hands and, you know, use it for travel, use it for training, use it for kit and different things like that. I think it'll be a, it's a great windfall for them and it's great to, to have it with, you know, the backdrop of Bahrain and, and look, we've talked about all of that before and we talked about it with Phil as well, what, you know, the... Um, uh, the, the the politics of of sports these days is is mad, but look, we uh, that is a longer discussion for another day. Which will we, we? I suppose that discussion kind of has been had this week on Severe May anyway. So, uh, but uh, great great for the Irish team and and great to get to the final. And unfortunately, they lost in the final, but uh, however, uh, these these things happen in MMA, Graham. Um, right? Have we have we anything else? Did I forget anything? I feel like... Well, what's your take on the Ken Velasquez situation, actually? We haven't mentioned that in the main podcast. I mentioned the Q&A. What, what? Yeah. Um, it's hard to know without all the details being out, but from what's been reported, it's obviously... Uh, it's a horrible situation. You could, you can, you know, you can definitely comprehend or understand Cain uh, Velasquez's anger and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's... it's 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 a you know a stupid thing to do because he's going to end up in in trouble now and it's even worse for his family. It's just a horrible situation all around and um, if if the reports are to be believed and it'll probably all come out in 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 the future. There's going to be court cases and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's just a 
tragic situation all around, I think. Yeah, I, I think you put it extremely well. I, f- I think everyone feels the exact same. It's like you absolutely have sympathy for him and him having that anger and him wanting to take it out if, like, the justice system or not, which I don't know if that's the case or not, but if it seems like that's why he was getting mad. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, it's a terribly unfortunate situation. The, look, the fact that two other people that weren't the guy that was allegedly abusing his family member were caught up in it as well, that's the big issue here, I think. Like, if, if it was just the guy himself and Ken Velasquez fucking shot him or assaulted him or whatever, I think he'd say, look, I did what I did. Let, let me pay, take my t- uh, punishment. I'll, I'll take my time behind bars or whatever it might be. And, you know, that's noble in a way, as stupid in a way, as you said. But look, every, as Dana White says, everyone says they'd do it. If that happened to them, Ken Velasquez did it. So... It's one of those situations that it's just so so sad on every level. And look, I wish I wish the best for Ken Velasquez, and hopefully, uh, hopefully there's some sort of resolution. But it, he's definitely going to be spending some time. He already has spent some time behind bars, but he'd be spending more time there um, by by the looks of it. So, you know, very 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 unfortunate for for Ken Velasquez uh, and his uh, and his family as well. Um, Kayla Harrison Graham. She's signed back on a multi-year deal with PFL, um, which, to me, look, I think the multi-year deal is probably because Bellator agreed a deal with her and in PFL matched that deal. I would hope she won't be there for multi-years in, in PFL. I would hope the UFC can get something done if Amanda Nunes gets back to winning ways. or Look, maybe Chris Cyborg will come over to PFL. I think she's only one or two fights left. I think one fight left in her, her deal. She's fighting Arlene Blinko coming up in, in Hawaii. But you never know with those, with the champion's clause. I don't know if Bellator have that or what's the crack. So it's hard to know with, with Chris Cyborg as well. You hear a lot of stuff from Chris. But what do you think? It's, a, it's just it's a binding, isn't it? The Kayla Harrison is stuck in PFL for another few years. Yeah, it is disappointing. It probably is what you said. It probably isn't a contract matching situation, and um, PFL are obviously going to try and keep a hold of her for for obvious reasons. But um, in terms of for us and the fights we want to see, yeah, it, you know, maybe maybe we will get the the cyborg fight. Maybe cyborg will go to PFL, but I, I doubt that to be honest. Uh, you know, cyborg's not really. I don't think she's in the mindset of oh, I need to go out and fight the. The best girls I can around the world. She's she's just happy to to fight for Bellator at this stage. I think so. Yeah, I, I hopefully something will change. But yeah, it's disappointing. Indeed. Uh, an update as well from Sinead Cavan. I think she needs surgery after her um, after her injury, unfortunately. So she'll be out for a few months. I would say. I think she's getting that uh, in an, in two weeks' time or something like that. Start the next month. Uh, so best wishes to Sinead, and I'm looking forward to seeing her back. Uh, as well, and and uh, you know we'll. Uh, uh, it's uh, I don't I don't mean to end it in a in a low ebb, but uh, yeah, look, it was it was a great weekend in the world of mixed martial arts, and next week as well is going to be a, a fantastic week as well. So um, yeah, if you want to uh, sign up for our Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Severe uh, Podcast, we put a lot of work into it. There's a lot of stuff coming uh, there as well. So I have a great interview with Crooklyn. We reminisce in the old days of MMA. I really enjoyed it. Uh, she has a great story about Kimbo Slice as well, which uh, is worth the five or long to tune into that for. So if you want to do that, please do it. Uh, but other than that, we will leave it there, Graham. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please click that subscribe button here. It's free. Click the like. Share it. Tag us at Sean Sheenbia, at Severe MMA and at Severe MMA Pod as well. We'll see you all next time, everybody. Graham, any uh, any post uh, podcast uh, inspirational quote for us? Have you got one? 
Do you yeah. have it? Go on. I have a, a Marcy lyric. Yes. <laughs> We may be hidden by rags, but we've something they'll never have. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I was expecting something else. What do we have? Well, okay, we leave it there. Good luck, everyone. Bye.